as society progresses with education, there's no limit to the potential for productive social interaction. So there is no physical limit to the size of the bond and the bill market relative to the, uh, the amount of gold in the village. Is that clear? If you find a, a, a form of interaction that, that is very, very beneficial to society, then you are likely to see uh, an influx of bonds that represent the capitalization of this process coming to reality. And But there's nothing wrong with that. So bills and bonds don't make sense. Chits do not make sense without the monetary substance gold. The whole system of financial institutions is meaningless without a supreme measure of gold. You can only create these chits if you have gold. They don't mean anything otherwise. Okay, so now we're just going to move on to uh, perturbing the natural social interaction. So, we, we, we've realized now that in aggregate, the system of merchant banks and discount houses is merely a mirror of social interaction of various forms and frequencies. And the only limit to the size of various frequencies of higher order money is the boundary of productive social interaction. And naturally, if you have a philosophy of education, you know, this will be enhanced. Now, errors and pitfalls are a part of human nature, and because the monetary system is merely a reflection of that, it will only be as sound as the interaction that it represents. So the expectation of a monetary system that is absolutely perfect and free from any form of risk is a chimera. To expect them not to occur is as untenable as expecting humans not to make mistakes. So let's, let's go through an example of a mistake uh, using our villagers. So in our previous example, let's say two years have passed and the repayment of the chits uh, to the three villagers is now due. Now our poor uh, enterprising villager built his warehouse and he managed to, to get some business from the farmers storing the produce, but nevertheless has saved insufficient money from his warehousing activities to pay off the credit initially given. So the three villagers are not, uh, are not barbarians, you know, they, they, they tell the, the young entrepreneur not to despair. Don't despair. So they wish to endow a grammar school in the village and provide it with an income into perpetuity. The villagers tell the enterprising villager to change the old chits, three old chits, for a new chit that represents a fixed annual money sum into perpetuity. 
A rate agreed by all was haggled, an agreement forged. And the grammar school held the new chit which proclaimed an eternal bond from the warehouse to the grammar school. The three villagers who founded the grammar school reasoned that the activity of the warehouse was likely to be perpetual in nature, just like that of the grammar school itself. Okay, so the essence of the problem here is that um, the, the enterprising villager who built the warehouse didn't save enough money to pay off the, the credit in full. And uh, when the chits were presented for repayment, they could not be repaid. Um, it wasn't a problem in this particular example, and a new agreement was forged. But you can't always settle mon uh, matters involving money as amicably as that. But effectively, this is um, a very uh, simple description of the form of, um, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the errors in the, current, in the current financial system. Okay? So, these chits that have been produced representing the construction of the warehouse, if they're sold on to people who have no idea what the chits represent, that could create problems somewhere down the line. And the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate problem could be characterized by issuing chits with no intention of ever repaying them. The drawer merely hoping that someone else buys a new chit on expiry of the old one. So these mechanically simple problems pass with very, very grand names in modern finance. But that is the essence of the problem. The chits are not being, are not being extinguished. And every time chits come up for expiry, they're replaced by more chits. Now, the phrase that you often hear is borrowing short to lend long. And borrowing short to lend long sounds very fluffy as if it's not a problem, you know. But it's a huge, huge problem. Because that is the essence of um, the cause of economic cycles. It's not matching your durations. Now the villager, the villager actually borrowed the money for a period um, that was shorter than he actually needed. He needed more time to amortize the credit to pay off the chits to the other three villagers. So this is uh, topologically exactly the same as borrowing short to lend long. But um, obviously in that example the, um, the outcome was rather uh, beneficial in nature to all parties. But it isn't necessarily. Okay? So the point about this example is to emphasize 
that um, there will be an excess of monetary media beyond the gold, which is perfectly legitimate. These, these monetary instruments are denominated in gold, they're not money, but they're not fraudulent. They're not fraudulent in any way. Why? Because they get liquidated. They get liquidated into cash gold. And the error that, that, that is made is when you pick up the balance sheet of a bank and you see that they've got, let's say, $100 worth of bonds on their asset side, um, but only um, $10 worth of cash gold. You know, somehow they've managed to extend 10 times as much credit as they have cash gold, is, is, the, is, is what people who have no, I, no idea about the true nature of it will describe it. They'll say they've created, they've created uh, $100 worth of credit by having $10 deposited with them. That's nonsense. That's nonsense. The $100 worth of credit exists anyway because it's the representation of some form of social interaction. Okay? The bank that has 10 in cash gold set aside is basically saying that I will be able to take the first $10 loss on any bonds that have to get written down and then you have to take the rest as a uh, depositor. So then the problem of the financial system turns around on its head and it comes to back to you, the depositor. It's you that should have as much knowledge as possible about what the institution you're depositing your money with is doing with it. Don't be happy to think that if you if you deposit your money at the Royal Bank of Scotland and they give you 5% per annum uh, and your money on demand at any moment, you know, you shouldn't be happy with that. It, the, the, the two things should not, they should cause friction in your mind. You cannot have money whenever you want it and also earn interest on it. Okay. Um, so that was a, a very uh, <coughs> verbose explanation of, of, of explaining how the financial system develops. But there is nothing fraudulent in the way that um, fractional reserve banking works. Okay? The whole financial system is a fractional reserve bank, as evidenced by this uh, picture. But the important point to remember is that it rotates. Now, if there's no productive enterprise that can be forged in the village, then you're not going to have any higher-order money. You'll just have gold. And that's it. Fair enough. But if there is lots of productive enterprise that can be done, you will have umpteen orders of higher-order money. And someone looking from 50,000 feet will say, oh, you've created all of this extra money uh, when you've only got that much gold at the bottom there, you know. 
But you can see, hopefully, now that um, this is naturally the case. You know, this, is, this isn't somehow trickery on behalf of agents unknown. This is the way that the financial system, financial system is. Okay? So, bottom line, and I'll move on to any questions now. Um, I, hope for, I hope that this, uh, this talk has shown that the monetary system is nothing more than a reflection of the natural social interaction. And the monetary system will only be as virtuous as the interaction that it represents. If you grant credit for alcohol consumption, it's not as noble, both from the perspective of the borrower and the lender, as credit granted for the construction of a warehouse. Okay? So, uh, with that, I will move on to any questions. There must be a few questions on the back of that. Sandy, is it possible to keep the questions for, for later? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but unless there is a, uh, unless there is a pressing question. Well, I, I would just like to ask one thing, Sandy. As you talk about the, the virtuousness of mm. extending that credit, well, one could argue today, at the top, and a recent example would be MF Global, which mm. John Corzo, there was no intention to be honest about it. It's just fraudulent gambling. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's, that would be surely a breakdown of that system. Absolutely. It? Absolutely. I mean, the, I think the modern financial system is just characterized by issuing chits without the intention of repaying them. You know, so um, when, when the people outside of this lecture room realize that there's no intention of paying these chits back, Nothing to do with the volume of the chits that is in existence. The fact that there's no intention of them ever being paid back. You know, it's the quality, not the quantity that matters of the money. Then all hell will break loose. But I don't think we're at that juncture yet. You know, I don't think the people realize that, um, or maybe they do, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to pre prevent people from asking <laughs> questions. Just, uh, what was your plan, Professor, to speak uh, after the, the morning tea or, or immediately after Sandy? And then questions would be asked of both of you. I could start <coughs> right away and well, have, have the questions. Is it after morning tea later? Is it, is it later? Quarter past. Quarter Okay. Got 20 minutes. Do you mind? No, no, no. Okay. Please. Thank you. 